Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the first Citizen Dame of Spooky Season. Yay! So excited. I am your host, Lauren Humphreys Brooks, and with me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hello. Are you ready for horror movies? Are you ready to, like, just plunge into the darkness? I am so ready. (laughs) I am so ready. Yes. So let's let's just get right into it because um, I I have to say that the weather here right now is is perfect for this kind of thing. It is cold. It is wet. It is raining. It is overcast. It's very unpleasant, um, and so it's a perfect time to just talk about scary movies. How yes, about it you? Sure is. Uh, it's. It's not cold and rainy here, but it is cooler than it has been. It's not a hundred <laughs> degrees, so yes. But also, this is California. We just deal with it. I've been to the beach on Christmas Eve. You just, you know, weather, like seasonal appropriate weather does not exist here. It's always a good time for spooky movies is what I'm saying. <laughs> I always I always think about that when, when like there are movies that are set like in California on Halloween or something like that. And I'm just like, how do you, but you can't, you don't have spooky season because, <laughs> because you like don't have fall really. <laughs> I will say that growing up, it was very convenient that, I mean, a lot of times it's definitely cooler and I've had to wear jackets on Halloween and stuff, but it was nice when you could go to school in your Halloween costume and not have to consider how your jacket's going to fit over it. (laughs) Yeah, I I routinely went trick-or-treating in winter in like snow pants and and winter (laughs) coats. Like, I I do remember that. I've never owned snow pants. (laughs) (laughs) You got to come to the, you got, but you, wait a minute, you lived in the Midwest. Um, right, technically. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I lived in Utah. So the inner yeah. mountain West, um, okay. and it definitely gets very cold and snowy there, but I never bought snow pants cause I was inside most of the time. I <laughs> see. <laughs> so you just never went outside. I, all right. That makes Correct, sense. Yeah. Um, and when I lived in Canada for a little while, like just, I spent one winter there. Um, I just wore a million layers. I never bought snow pants. I probably should have that winter, but snow I didn't. pants. Snow pants are very useful if you want to go sledding or skiing or anything like that. That's why would I want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually have been sledding many times, and it is very fun. But I've been able to do it without snow pants. Although snow pants would have made it more comfortable. Yes, because sure. you don't get like soaked through. Basically, yeah. all right. Fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> let's just get right into it. Today, we are going to talk all about the Conjuring universe. And yeah, we are. For Sorry, those of you who do not know what the Conjuring universe is, you really should. Um, I don't know how you managed to miss it, given that these films come out like every other year. And uh, given that we have talked about them before. Yeah, no shit. At least so, some of them. <laughs> so technically, the Conjuring, the Conjuring universe begins in 2013 with the release of James Wan's The Conjuring. 
Um, and then it goes all the way through to 2021. The most recent film was released, uh, it was released last year, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. And we've got a whole bunch of different films that are like kind of offshoots of the original, um, tell some backstories and stuff like that. So we're going to talk about all of them right now. Um, before we get going and and like discussing what the chronology actually is of these films, because Karen, I think you have a better grasp on this than I do. <laughs> um, I just want to... I just want to ask, which one is your favorite? Like, just, it doesn't have to be the best one, right? Not necessarily the most accomplished film, but which mm -hmm. one is just like, I really just enjoy this movie? Uh, you know, I've gone back and forth on the very first one, uh, The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. Uh, in rewatching them again, I really think The Conjuring, the very first movie, is still my favorite, although it's still very close. But I just, I really, um, I just, I really love the way that they introduce us to the Warrens. I love the way that the parent family mystery is, is done. And I just, I just think it's so fun. And it's still, I think also part of it is the fact that they didn't have an audience for it yet. So they were kind of, I don't know. It just, it feels a little bit looser in some ways than some of the other movies where they already know, like, we have to, we know who our audience is and we need to keep them happy. Yeah, it's it's a very good kind of setup for the entire universe. Mm -hmm. And and it's a good standalone horror movie also. A yeah. lot of a lot of the other ones really do depend upon you have knowing some some backstory, some information. Right. Um, but that one is definitely like this is a, this is a horror film. We're going to tell a horror story. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and and it's a good, well done horror yeah. movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, my my favorite, I admit, I think is still The Nun. Um, <laughs> it is. I think it's definitely the silliest of the the group. And I'm not saying that <laughs> yes. like it's not intentionally silly, per se. But it is a silly movie in a lot of ways. I always describe it as um as The Conjuring does hammer horror. And it very <laughs> much has that vibe. It's a much brighter film in a lot of ways than some of the other ones. Like I, I was particularly struck this time around that um, The Curse of La Llorona is very dark, like dark palette. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of darkness. The Nun has a lot of contrast in it, I guess. And I really like that. It is just, it is ridiculous. Like, you know, it's creepy Gothic nunnery in Romania. Um, you've got like the, Vera Farmiga's sister plays the lead you're like how is this all related <laughs> you know you got all of this backstory about this demon that was that was just like I didn't know that we needed this backstory but apparently we do um <laughs> yeah it, it's just I find it so much fun and I remember going to see it in the theater and coming out and being like why did people not like this this is great this is like so fucking stupid I love it <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of fun yeah it's a fun film. So let's let's start with the nun. So the, what is the chronology of the Conjuring? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the nun takes place in 1952, which um, even with some other things that happen in the next movie, this pretty much is the earliest film so far in the Conjuring franchise. So so we start out in like like I say this this Romanian nunnery, right? Yeah um and and this is the backstory i i think the conjuring chronology is kind of weird because 
you know, we get introduced to the oh, it's Warrens. very weird. <laughs> we get introduced to the Warrens, and then we have all of these other films that come out later that are actually that actually take place before. So it's kind of telling here's the origins of Annabelle, here's the origins of the the nun demon creature. Right. Um, well, in some of the movies, it's like it, something will happen, and then it'll be like you know, then it's a year later or twelve years later or whatever. So it's even hard to pin down exactly when does this movie really take place. Yeah, so. the films themselves jump around in chronology sometimes, um, and I think we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to Annabelle Comes Home. Yeah. Um, but so with the nun, it's pretty obvious when this. So this is all taking place like twenty years before the events of the first Conjuring, right? Right. Yeah. Which is funny because it's like, it's hard to remember that. Like, I don't consciously think, oh, The Conjuring is in the 70s. So when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this is 70 years ago. But for our timeline, this is only 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and which and, makes a difference. And The Nun does feel like, uh, among all of these films, it does feel like it's the one that's more removed from the time period, partially because it's got this very um you know weird setting very and, and in fact they even reference a number of times the fact that you know it's better to to ride horses and drive carts mm -hmm. than it is to take a, a truck or a car because you can't actually get there right so it feels like it almost feels like this 19th century um location even though it's it's taking place in 1952 right right um, yeah so so the nun is the backstory of um Valak, right? The mm -hmm. the demon that comes back a number of times throughout the the conjuring films and that always takes the form of this very creepy nun uh in a in a black habit. And this and it also sets up and by the way, before I before we say anything more, we're gonna spoil all of the conjuring films. Okay, like, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask, like how yeah. how spoilery is this? I, I don't know how we can I don't know how we can talk about these films without talking about some of the endings, et cetera. Um, yeah. particularly some of the backstories. Um right. So yes, if you have not seen any of these films and you don't want to be spoiled on them, then then you know, go and watch them and come back. <laughs> <laughs> well wait. Yes um but so so ba basically by the end of the nun what we actually discover is that this has been the setup for um one of the first kind of uh exorcisms that were introduced to in i think the first conjuring yes um this this exorcism of this french french canadian peasant named right? maurice french, yes who um uh, who is actually one of the main characters in The Nun. And that this is one of those where it took me a while to figure out what the fuck was going on. <laughs> um, and they do spell it out for you by the end of the film. It's just like, by the way, we're, this is the guy that we're talking about. This is the same right. guy. But it's also, I think part of why it gets confusing and, and why it's easy to forget who this dude is, is because um, his story in The Conjuring is told through a presentation that Ed and Lorraine Warren are giving. Yeah. And it's through a video, like a not a video, it's a film that they are are showing in this presentation. So we never actually meet Maurice. We don't know his story. All we know is that there was um he this man was possessed. They were helping him and Lorraine saw a vision of something. But we don't find out what yeah. it is until much, much later in a different movie. Yeah, and and well, and and that's that's where you get into some of the things that the Conjuring does 
not not completely retcon, but definitely confuses the stories a yes. lot of the time because you get these these things that are introduced and then um, they go back and like, well, actually, this is the real story. Right? right. This is the real. So we get that also with Annabelle creation. Um, and and with this one, particularly one of uh, one of the oddest elements of the nun and is one that I think people have argued about. And like, what does this actually mean? Is the mm-hmm. fact that Vera Farmiga's sister is playing the young nun. Right. Right. Um, it's such a specific choice. Yeah, Her name and, is well, Thaisa, by the way. Well, and she she looks a lot like a young Vera Farmiga, like they are quite obviously related. Yes. Um, and. <laughs> And but they have, you know, obviously within within the world of the the conjuring, they have different names, et cetera. And so you I, I at least was like, is this supposed to be Lorraine when like, mm-hmm. but that doesn't quite work. That doesn't quite make sense. Um, and that's one of the kind of the open questions, because, you know, ba- basically within the, the context of the conjuring, the reason why Lorraine gets uh, connected to this demon is because of the vision that she has when she is exercising the um, the friendship right mm-hmm. um and and but then there's like this other point of connection that might or might not exist <laughs> i still kind of feel like there's a she's a relative um but because she's also she's american so it's like yeah uh, sister Irene is American so it's like there's there's the potential for there to be a relationship even though they don't ever actually say but we do know that it can't be Lorraine because uh in uh in later movies when Lorraine is talking about her relationship with Ed they met in high school when she was 17 and it, she ran away with him when she was still pretty young and stuff so it's like okay obviously she wasn't thinking about becoming a nun because she was already with you know her future husband so i just kind of figure maybe this is an aunt or a cousin or maybe even a sister that she just hasn't mentioned be- before i don't know yeah, it, it feels like that there must be some kind of relationship simply because of the casting. Um, right. And, and we wouldn't necessarily have that sensation if it wasn't for, for the fact that, that Thessa Farmerga was, was cast in the room. Right. Yeah, exactly. But also uh, maybe it's just a fun little like coincidence, quote unquote coincidence that they cast the sisters and they <laughs> don't play real relatives at all. I mean, I do kind of hope that they do because I would like more connection to come back from that. And there is, and there has been announced the Nun Two, yes, um, which is supposed to be coming out in uh, in twenty twenty three, and it, uh, it it is going to be directed by the same director and also written by Akelia Cooper, who is the screenwriter for Malignant. Um, if, oh. if y'all have have heard our discussions of Malignant, you know how exciting that is. Mm-hmm. So I kind of hope we get a little bit more to this story because you've got about 20 years to play with, right? There's 20 years between The Nun and um, and The Conjuring and at least, you know, 10 or 15 years between The Nun and, and Frenchie being exercised, right? So maybe right. we'll get more of that, the Sister Irene's backstory as a result of that. Maybe, although it's interesting because Taysa still isn't confirmed to even be in the movie, so I don't know. Well, they can still <laughs> age her up. Like you're, you're oh, they totally to, can. I'm just saying, like she, with. the actress is not uh, mm-hmm. commit uh, is not um, confirmed to be in the movie yet. So I want I want Vera Farmiga to play another a different part and to oh just my gosh, like, show so up <laughs> in in the nun the nun too and be like a completely different character just and then really fuck with our heads so i just go like 
what is happening here? I don't uh-huh. know. Pro- most people probably do not think about this uh, as much as I have. I think uh, they have a cousin that acts too. Why don't we get her see? in there? See, just Ariana, on, I think. Just keep on bringing the Farmiga family in and just, uh, <laughs> yeah. just like really confuse us. Uh- <laughs> that would be brilliant. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so in the next. This I think this is where we we all already this is where we're going to get confused. So the next film in the in chronological order, right, going from the Nun in 1952, um, yes. I think is Annabelle Creation. Correct. That is correct. Annabelle Creation. Um, okay, so this is where it's like it's hard to say specifically when things take place. So the bulk of the movie takes place about 1955. It starts. 12 years before that though (laughs) so it technically starts in the 30s but or the 40s i guess 12 i can't math is hard especially on saturday morning so i guess it starts really in 1940 what two three uh goes forward 12 years so the bulk of the movie takes place about 1955 is what i'm saying twice (laughs) (laughs) so a couple of years a couple of years after um yeah none right and i i we do have to note that you know in terms of the conjuring universe the annabelle demon and the nun demon are not really related they're just demons that are right. are mm-hmm. being exercised so it's not like the same demon who keeps on showing up there are many demons out there and <laughs> I, here are two of them in rewatching the nun i I'll, i honestly forgot I was just like oh yeah annabelle and the nun are like not actually related in any way there's no, no. there's no continuity there well, you know, they they also had previously at one point said they were going to do a Crooked Man movie and they have not gone forward with that. But anyway, when we when we get to Annabelle Comes Home, we can talk about some other things. Yes, definitely. in this in this realm. So so Annabelle Creation, as, as I say, moves forward to 1955. And but before that, in the 1940s. Yes. Um, we get the creation of the Annabelle doll by a doll maker named uh, Samuel Mullins, uh, who has a wife and a seven-year-old daughter named Annabelle. And Annabelle is killed in a car accident um, when she is when she's very young. And basically, we then jump forward to the arrival of this group of orphans who are um, who are being kind of marshaled along by Sister uh, Sister Charlotte. <laughs> Mm-hmm. who has some relationship to the nunnery <laughs> um, yes. because she has a picture uh, of herself with, with a number of other nuns. She and... knew the nuns that were in the yeah. monastery in Romania. Yeah. And, and we get a little bit of, um, of the demon coming from that, but that has nothing to do with <laughs> the rest of the film. Like, it's not like, Oh, that's the demon. It's just like, no, this does this is a different demon. And also like, Annabelle right. creation predates the nun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this pre- is where they took that picture and stuff from, from this movie and used that as a jumping off point for writing the story of the nun. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, I, just, I like when they do stuff like that. It's fun. Um, so so you've got, got this group of, of orphans who are ranging in ages from, from very young to, to teenagers, right? And particularly this, this, these two sisters, um, Janice and, uh, is it Linda? Um, Janice is the one with polio. Yeah. Um, are they sisters? I didn't think they were. I thought thought they just, I thought they were just really close. I thought that they were sisters and watching the film. Kind of made the pact of like, we're not going to 
Yeah. Like, we're not going to go to a place. Like, we're going together. If we're I getting honest, adopted, we're getting adopted together. I, I thought that they were sisters simply uh, simply by the way that they related to each other. But I'm, I'm realizing and looking at some of the synopses that there's no indication that they're sisters. Yeah. Um, I think so. you're right, though. I think it is uh, Linda. Linda, yeah. Yeah, so Linda um, and Janice. And so, of course, the creepy things are going on in this house. Mrs. Janice, Mullins, by the way, is the same age as the daughter the Mullins lost. Is she? Well, she's the age that the daughter was she's when the... she died. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both seven. Janice is? Yeah. Janice is supposed to be seven years old, really? I think so. I thought the okay, because she just seemed older to me. Um, see, this is why I get confused. I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be seven. Um, so, so basically what happens is Janice winds up in the room, um, that the, that the Mullins had closed off and in which we actually eventually discovered the Annabelle doll. Um, so this, this is one that actually the first time I saw it, I remember being really bored by it. Um, and getting about halfway through the film being like, I don't particularly care about this movie. I don't care about what's happening. Rewatching it, I, I actually liked it a lot better. And I realized that it's probably one of the most, the meanest yeah. of the Conjuring franchise. Um, it's very violent. Like there's a high body count, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, there's probably more death in this one than anything else. And it's pretty brutal deaths also. Like the the climax of the film, there's a lot of like just very nasty death yeah um and and it there are quite a number of really good scares in it one of the things that i really like about the conjuring franchise is that they they use um uh they use jump scares in a really intelligent way Mm -hmm. and you get those like you know the the sudden you know things bursting out of hallways and stuff like that but um, most of the films do a really good job at kind of building up the suspense and the making the jump scares really effective and one of the things that I saw in, in particularly in Annabelle Creation is the use of those those demonic faces, right? Kind of looming yeah. out of the darkness, the use of the eyes. Uh, yeah, and, there's a lot of that. And there are a couple of scenes that like I actually went back rewatching this film. I like I I rolled them back um, to rewatch it because I realized just like, oh, there's a demon like right behind the doll. <laughs> and I totally missed it until the very end. But it's actually really effective. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things about this. So it's really funny because I saw this when it first came out. Um, for some reason I, I skipped Annabelle, but when creation came out, I was like, okay, I'll watch this one. Um, I I think I, I just in general had heard it was a better movie. So I was just like, all right, you know, whatever. But I, (laughs) I should probably note that I have a really hard time with movies about like possessed dolls and things because uh, first of all, they're creepy. Second of all, uh, I grew up with a mom who had a doll called Patty Playpal. It she got it when she was three, and she still has that fucking doll. <laughs> and I love you, mom. But <laughs> anyway, it was at the foot of my bed for years, like starting when I was about five years old. And that thing is just creepy. It doesn't look as evil as Annabelle. But just having this doll that's almost the same size as you at the foot of your bed and you like its neck is kind of a little bit just it's aged. So it's like its neck is a little bit broken, you know, and stuff. It doesn't hold its head up all the way. So it's like the eyes will just randomly flicker and things like that. Like it scared the shit out of me repeatedly when I was a child. So I, in general, have a hard time with doll (laughs) movies. 
so the Annabelle movies are particularly hard for me to get through. But uh, I decided to go ahead and watch this one. And I but I only saw it the one time until this week when I rewatched them. And I have spent the last five years thinking that Alfred Molina plays Samuel Mullins. I was so confused. I turned it on. I was like, what's Anthony LaPaglia doing here? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I was so convinced. I thought it was I thought it was Alfred Molina. Anyway. he's good i <laughs> anthony lapalia i think is very good in this he does a great job yeah it's a um, it's a really good role for him yeah it, it it actually is as is um uh, uh miranda otto who plays yeah. who plays mrs mullins yeah and um, here's where like just to your point about like this is a particularly mean movie i mean we find out later you know in later films i mean about um you know kind of what demons do and who they go after but you really see it on display in this one because there's a later film where mm-hmm. Lorraine explains that they go after the weakest psychologically weakest person in the family and take advantage of of um you know people that are really struggling and you see that on full display here because you have this couple who has just lost their daughter um really tragically and right in front of them and so then we find out in their backstory, like when Miranda Otto is telling the story to Sister Charlotte, you find out that they were so desperate to see their daughter again that this demon, like, con- didn't, obviously didn't know it was a demon, but convinced them to let it inhabit the doll and then they could see their daughter again. It was just like such a, or yeah, anyway, it was just like just taking advantage of this really just heartbroken grieving couple and then years later takes advantage of a group of orphans like just yeah it's so fucking mean (laughs) and particularly going going after the orphan who who has polio right yeah and she's and is is sort of disabled yeah she's and and the others like don't treat her kindly they're very like dismissive of her um and like they don't include her in a lot of things etc and so so yeah well but it does it does feed into what a lot of the conjuring series does which is 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 dealing with these these questions of grief right right? and weakness and and the fact that and particularly in this in this film like you say this demon is preying on the weakest and we see that again and again in the annabelle films particularly Yes. Um, where, you know, it's going after people via their grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we see that again in um, uh, Annabelle Comes Home. But it's it's an interesting element. And it does, it makes in a lot of ways, Annabelle Creation is a very unpleasant film. Yeah. Um, like I say, because it gets so violent, because we get, uh, you know, you you do get the sense of like this isn't anyone's fault like mm-hmm. how you know the, the no none of these people deserve this right, right. um and- yeah these aren't these aren't a bunch of kids that are like inviting this in they're not true you know and even with the the mullins they weren't trying to summon a demon they were, were just trying to see their daughter again yeah, and and we know, particularly if we've seen some of the other Conjuring films, we know that this is exactly like you say, what demons, what in this world, what demons exploit, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's an it's actually an interesting film, and I'm surprised that I'm saying that because I really didn't like it the first time I saw it. <laughs> um, 
but 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 to, to your point about the the creepy dolls which comes back again and again and again in the annabelle films obviously because it's all about a creepy doll uh but one of the things that i really like about the annabelle films is the fact that we never we rarely see annabelle move right, right. we see her eyes flicker once or twice we might see her head turn um, but very, very seldom do, you know, and, and you see those, there's always a scene where someone throws a blanket over her or a sheet and she rises up mm-hmm. <laughs> always. <laughs> I swear to God, it happens in all of the, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But you don't see her. You're, you're absolutely right. Like there's yeah. even times where like, um, you'll see that she has moved, but we don't actually see it happen, yeah, which is and- part of what makes it so fucking creepy. Well, and I, I think that that's it. It plays into those kind of, you know, going back to that, it, it plays into those childhood fears of like, mm-hmm. I definitely left that here, but now it's there. Yes. Right. So it moved on its own. It is that it, it is that kind of sensation. And the films do a really good job. You know, even some even the the lesser ones in a lot of ways um, do a really good job at conveying that evil through this completely motionless expressionless doll right Uh um you know this this figure who isn't like chucky and like is going around chasing you or anything like that but she's just there Mm -hmm. and uh all of the directors who have worked on these films really do a good job at creating those sequences and that, that again it goes back to what i was saying about about jump scares that sense of tension they just like that creepy doll is in the room with them, right? That right. or that creepy doll is no longer in the room with them, which in some ways is even creepier. <laughs> yep. um, and you know, it's it's funny too, though. Sorry, I just jumped in. No, go on. Okay, I was gonna say it's funny because so the Annabelle obviously this movie isn't based on a true story, um, but the Annabelle doll store like that entire thing is based on a quote-unquote true story from the warrens like case files you know they they were part of a case involving this doll called annabelle but it was a raggedy ann doll and i i appreciate the fact that they decided to make this doll even though it's just supposed to be this innocent doll that we never see move (laughs) made it very obviously creepy as fuck instead of like this just little rag doll that uh every kid from the 80s had in their bedroom <laughs> so <laughs> just you know just throwing well, that out there well the the annabelle doll does recall you know some of those older forms of dolls she's very large right yeah um, yeah i mean it's about the same size as this doll that grew up at the or grew up <laughs> that was at the foot of my bed when i was growing up she did not grow she's still the same size um but yeah it's, it's, yeah it's that same idea she just doesn't have a creepy face is the difference well and and to to the point of the raggedy ann doll of course so annabelle creation ends let's let's talk about it annabelle creation yeah. ends with them apparently managing to banish the demon but janice disappears um because she gets locked in a closet <laughs> <laughs> well and pretty much everybody dies <laughs> the mullins are dead sister charlotte does sister charlotte get killed now I can't remember. Uh, no, okay. I don't believe she does. The the I think all oh, of the they orphans get away. Survive. Yeah, that's right. All okay. of the orphans so survive. Mullins. Okay. Um. Well, the ones who know the story of Annabelle are, are the ones who die. Right. Um, so, right. And then Janice vanishes. Right. She gets locked in a closet with a with a a demon. Mm-hmm. Um. And then she disappears, and they can't find her, etc. And so we move forward a little bit. Twelve years. To, 
Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. This is not 12 years. To to discover that she has wound up in another orphanage and she's calling herself Annabelle. Mm -hmm. And she gets adopted by the couple who are then murdered. Which, by the way, Annabelle was the name of the Mullins' daughter Daughter. who they called her B as a nickname. So you don't find out until this point that B was short for Annabelle. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And then the the uh the couple who adopts her get murdered at the beginning of um the the film annabelle which was made before annabelle creation it actually ends with uh annabelle creation ends with them being murdered and and um mia the star of annabelle um waking up hearing it and um it is 12 years later so janice has been with them for 12 years and uh also ironically the star of annabelle is named annabelle wallace (laughs) (laughs) um but but in terms of the the raggedy uh the raggedy and doll janice they give janice they do uh, (laughs) which i loved that yeah yeah it's a nice little callback and and you know and the joke is just like oh we hope you like dolls oh i love it you know that kind of thing um, but so then I think that the next uh, actually in the chronology is is in fact Annabelle, isn't it? Yes. Um, so this this whole thing then op- opens more or less like it there. There's a little bit of build up before that, but opens more or less with the murder of um, of this this older couple by their daughter, Annabelle uh, and and her boyfriend. And supposedly they're all members 1967 ish. And they're all members of a satanic cult called, and I think that this is the introduction of the Disciples of the Ram. Yes. Um, and and eventually Annabelle breaks into the house of um, the, the main characters who are this young couple. Um, she's pregnant. He's the most boring white man in the history of white men. Oh my gosh, he is so boring. <laughs> I mean, his name is even boring. His name, his name is Ward Horton, the actor. That's his name. Like, what? <laughs> uh and 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 annabelle basically um does does a spell and and invests the doll yet again with uh with this demon (laughs) yes um so the the whole the whole process you know it is very confusing and i think part of it is that you know we've got these these films that are backstories that are made after the film and annabelle itself is a backstory from right. the first conjuring yes which is where we first meet Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay well first of all okay so we're talking about like we're talking about these in chronological order but let's just really quickly so the conjuring comes out in 2013 and then annabelle comes out in 2014 so that is um essentially a prequel because the conjuring starts with the end of the, the annabelle story and then tw- the conjuring 2 comes out in 2016 which is just way later and then annabelle creation is 2017 so this is the sleek- sequel slash prequel to annabelle but it comes out three years later but it's like annabelle creation is a prequel to a prequel <laughs> <laughs> and annabelle is that prequel so yeah and i i think a lot of people argue that that particularly um annabelle is one is the weakest one of the weakest of the country i think most people think it's the nun but um but then right after that i think is annabelle but yeah i agree with you i think annabelle is the weakest one it does have it does have a number of good scares and particularly with the introduction of the annabelle doll and um 
and the I, I really like the sequence where Mia is is in the basement of their building. Oh, so good. And runs from the demon and then um the elevator. Uh, yeah, and then keeps on pressing oh the button of the elevator and the elevator doesn't move and it keeps on opening in the same place. Uh, <laughs> it's very scary and it, it, it does a really good job there of like building that terror right mm-hmm. of like you know and, and i i live in an apartment building the fear that i would have if i was fleeing from something and the fucking elevator kept on opening on the same floor yeah <laughs> um, yeah exactly so it, it really does a good job with that and also moving things you know both the nun and annabelle creation are kind of in this in a, in very rural spaces um annabelle kind of brings it more into suburbia and then into the city Mm-hmm. And there's it, it. I think it does create a different experience, and it's interesting the way that the Conjuring franchise generally uses spaces. You get in the original Conjuring, you get um, a much more rural area, family coming in from the city and into a rural area. In the Conjuring Two, it's much more kind of British suburbia, basically, um, working class suburbia. Right. And so there's a lot of movement back and forth between between the fear of like the kind of the desolation of rural areas. And the fear created by spaces in the city. Yeah. Um, and I, I quite like that kind of contrast that they develop throughout throughout the films, uh, intentionally or not. Yeah. Well, and in and, and Annabelle specifically, um, th- so this couple, they're in a house in Santa Monica, which is even in the, the 60s was a nice, nice place to live. And after this couple gets attacked and she has her baby, they end up moving to Pasadena because her husband is a doctor. Like, isn't he in residency? I don't think he's done with his his education yet, but he's a doctor. Um, And so they moved to Pasadena, which in the 60s was like where they were living, even though it's an apartment. It's a nice place. So it's like they're they're living in a good neighborhood um like it's it really is such a contrast from the other um settings that we've seen this is um this is a family that is well off which is part of where that why why annabelle landed in their position anyway because he was able to buy that as a gift at that point it was a collector's item it was one of a hundred dolls that had been made so it was very expensive so it's like if you know it, it would have landed with someone else, if not them, but it was going into, I don't know, this very, it just makes it creepier. It's part of why, why Poltergeist was always one of the scariest movies to me growing up because I grew up in that neighborhood, you know, basically, not literally, but basically, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's it's that danger that's invading spaces that we think are safe, right? You, yeah. You know, you, you think, particularly suburbia, which yeah. is constructed to be safe, right? The whole yeah. point of suburbia was protection, was like, Protect, protecting the middle class white people basically exactly um like you see and- a movie set out in the country you see a movie set out in the woods and you're gonna assume well of course scary shit's gonna happen what do you think is gonna happen when you're out there by yourself but when yeah, you're in cre- the middle of a neighborhood <laughs> yeah, exactly creepy old house of course a creepy mm-hmm. old house is gonna have ghosts kind of thing you don't expect the this to happen in suburbia and so there there is this particularly in annabelle there is this invasion basically yeah of this you know almost old world demons kind of thing um that that are you know causing havoc and that are using the spaces around them to cause havoc as well Mm -hmm. um and so 
Annabelle, I think, you know, and I, I, I hesitate to say introduces because these are films that were made, you know, we're not, we're talking about them in, in the chronological order of the events in the films. Um, but it does kind of introduce a, um, this, this major element of, of motherhood yes. and of the roles of mothers and the good mother and the bad mother. And particularly in Annabelle, where you've got a pregnant woman um she's pregnant for for part of the film and then she and then she gives birth and so she has this little baby for a good portion of the film um and so much of the story is about the demon wanting the baby's soul right that's that's the whole idea behind it and then it actually transpires that maybe that's not what the demon wants one of the weirdest elements i think is um the use of of i believe it's alfred um woodard. alfred woodard mm -hmm. yeah uh, and she comes in very late in the film comparatively and winds up using, uh, winds up kind of becoming Mia's friend and kind of giving her, she, she basically plays the role of the Warrens in the sense that she's like, okay, here's how everything works, right? Yeah. There's a lot of exposition. Here's what you're dealing with and here's how we deal with it. Um, but at the end of the film, and this bothered me the first time I saw the film and it still bothers me, she chooses to sacrifice herself. Mm -hmm. or the mother and child right and this would i think be okay if this was not a black woman right. <laughs> sacrificing herself for the life of not just this blonde white woman but like this quintessentially blonde white woman right um this this woman and again the this is again part of that theme of the of innocent people kind of getting in the way right um, demons are not going after bad people. They're going after whoever they can get a hold of. Mm -hmm. um, but so let's, yeah, let, let's talk about that because this is a very white franchise in a lot of ways. Most of the characters are white. The Warrens are white. Most of the, most of the villains, you know, that, that show up are white. But so we've got in Annabelle, we have this like sole black woman mm -hmm. who sacrifices herself and gives herself literally to a demon. Um, in order to save this this white mother this white mother that she just met doesn't know very well yeah and i know there's there's this whole thing about how she, i think she, i think evelyn that's the character played by alfrey woodard i think she had lost her daughter or something like that um yeah her her daughter gets killed i think in a car all of these car accidents she gets killed in a car accident and the the mother was driving um, right so that's there, what it was. so she's it's that so, guilt Right. And that's where they try to really um, like make it palatable, I guess, that this happens. But it's like it doesn't it just doesn't make sense. I find this such an unsatisfying way to conclude that story and and uh, just also kind of mean, uh, not kind of like it's it's a mean way to end that story. And it just it, there's no not that not that people don't do things for people they barely know, but this is <laughs> like it just doesn't makes sense that that they would do this to the one black character that appears like i cannot even think of another other than some police officers later on um i can't think of another character in the franchise that's like a named like important character that is black yeah i don't think that there is one mm -mm. um yeah no, and de and like you say, definitely not like a major character. And she is a major right. character, right? And she and she's played by a known actress, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it just it feels like they're trying to do this whole like, oh, it's a noble sacrifice. And sure, it is, but it's one that doesn't make any sense. 
And it well, really, the movie itself already, ha- other than some really good tense sequences, really isn't a great movie. And it's just like such a sour note to end it on. Yeah, it, it well, it definitely feeds into this element of sacrificial motherhood, right? That, that pops yes. up again and again and again in the Conjuring franchise. Right. And the good mother versus the bad mother. And I think let's, you know, let's get into that one in talking about The Conjuring itself. Yeah. Um, which is the next film in the chronology. So one of the major themes throughout that entire film, the, the major evil, right, is the mother, um who is is you know a witch and sacrifice and is trying to sacrifice her child um and and is caught by her husband etc and then you know kills herself so you've got this kind of duality of the the suicide which is of course original sin not original sin sorry it's uh mortal sin mortal sin and and then you've also got the mother who is deliberately choosing to sacrifice her child and then possesses other mothers Right. to kill their children right mm-hmm. and now all of this all of this is is ultimately you know it's the work of satan it's the work of demons etc but it, it it does create this really interesting but also disturbing element of of motherhood that runs throughout these films um about mothers being willing to sacrifice themselves for their children and the evil of mothers who who refuse to do it right who refuse right. to to um offer themselves up basically as, as sacrifices. And even in, at the end of Annabelle, you know, initially the, the um, Mia is going to kill herself, is going to offer her soul right for her daughter. Uh, And, and then they, they kind of play it off basically because we don't want to kill her. Right. Um, But so that element is, is most pronounced, I think in, in the conjuring. Yes. And uh, and and it's particularly in these good mother, bad mother, um, convincing mothers, you know, mothers do not kill their children kind of thing. Mothers don't harm their children. There's even a little bit of um, there's a little bit of pro-life stuff that, that gets filtered in there. There are a couple of moments in that film where I'm like, I don't I don't like this. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about the role of women, particularly in The Conjuring, okay. right? So Lorraine, you've got Lorraine Warren, who is uh, who's very much a positive figure, and she's fantastic. Like, I love Vera Farmiga in this part. Yeah, she's so great. Um, and, and you've also got, and now I'm blanking on her name, and I'm so sorry, is it Lily Palmer? Lily Taylor. Lily Taylor. Mm-hmm. Lily Palmer is someone completely different. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and this is this is officially right. It's the first film, and it is actually about the Warrens. So yes. let's talk a little this bit about 2013. The <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is this movie came out in 2013. The bulk of it is set in 1971. Um, but yeah, the Warrens as actual people. Is that what you want to talk about? Or well, the both. characters in the movie? Both, right? So okay. the Warrens, the Warrens in the Conjuring are based on the the ghost hunters, exorcists, demonologists. Demonologists. Uh the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, who were, you know, part of the original Amityville case, the Enfield haunting, which which gets made into the Conjuring 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this particular case, which is bas- basically a classic old house story right yeah totally Um, a family being haunted by this witch that that died that was killed on their property um uh, you know the city the city family moving into the countryside all of that kind of thing right yeah 
it's and- a, it's actually not dis not terribly dissimilar from the Amityville case. It's very similar. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of, of things where you're like, oh, yeah, I see some some tie-ins there. But um, yeah, so Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, the real people, they I'm not I think it was sometime in the 60s that they really started to get into this world of um, of demon hunting, ghost hunting, all of that. And um, so by the 70s, they were working with the Catholic Church um, and had assisted in exorcisms and things there's um it's it's interesting because they say that ed warren was the only person not to be a priest that was recognized by the catholic church as being allowed to perform exorcisms or authorized um and yet i feel like there's several times throughout this series of movies where it's clear that he's not allowed to do them or not supposed to be doing them on his own so I'm not really sure yeah. what the true story is there of what he was and was not allowed to do in, in the eyes of the church. But yeah, in, in the films, there's a lot of going back and forth that like we have to get the church's approval in order mm-hmm. to do this. We have to have a priest do it. Um, yeah. I'm not supposed to do it. And and there there even feeds into that in the films, this this element of hubris, right, that right. he even blames himself for some for some of the things that happen. Um, yeah. because he shouldn't have been doing this right he shouldn't have been trying to exercise demons etc because he's not he's not officially recognized <laughs> yeah like, yeah um, but the the but just for folks who aren't totally aware like the warrens yeah they did do the amityville case which was a big one but they were pretty pretty well known and famous before that case ever even happened um and they were a big part of i'm not saying it's their fault i don't know really whose fault it was but they were a big part of the satanic panic of the 70s 80s and into the 90s they were i mean their names were Mm -hmm. everywhere throughout all of that because of their you know their work and going into people's homes and saying like yeah there's a demon here you know and that it and satan worship and all that like it really uh they were a big part of of that so um well, and I think this is a good thing to bring up also because the Conjuring franchise, the Conjuring franchise obviously decides this is all true, right? Yes. Demons are real, ghosts are real, witches are real, et cetera. Um, yeah. And the Warrens, at least in the the exact, the Conjuring films, right? The, the one, two, and three so far are the ones who come in and expel those demons, um, mm-hmm. identify those demons. And the, the films do play a little bit with this whole thing of like, you know, we want to get proof that then we can take to the church who right. will sanction an exorcism etc but the whole point is to get the proof it's not so much to the way that the films present them is it's not so much to build up the reputation of the warrens it's to be able to help people right yeah um, but that's that's all they want is to go in and yeah. and and help these people who really need help especially families um in 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 all three cases in the conjuring specifically the conjuring movies it's about helping families not just individuals mm-hmm. um which i think uh, is very uh, good from a movie like a storytelling standpoint so because well, it's like just to your point about motherhood and everything like i think it just there's just something that feels you know, on, on one level, there's something that just feels a little bit more urgent when there's kids involved. 
and yeah and and there i i do think that the the films exploit in in a way that a lot of horror films do this yeah. this whole notion of mothers particularly hurting or killing their children is, right. is one of the most horrible things that that can happen right um but but yeah the the warrens and the films themselves definitely confuse history particularly when you talk about the conjuring all, all three of the 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 main conjuring films right mm-hmm. um because there is this constant reinforcement of this is based on a true story this right. is what really happened yeah. right you know the the use of the the warren's supposed original recordings pictures of the families and you know the actors who play them all of that kind of thing it it reinforces this whole sense that this is true right that this is and not just sorry um but like in the credits when they're showing the pictures of the real people it's not just showing the pictures it's like it's showing that with this creepy score over it so you really feel like it's just a continued way to feel that like that weight of like this is something scary that happened to these people yeah and and i mean i think that that's where you know when you get into talking about you know quote real stories of hauntings and exorcism and stuff like that there's been there's been there's a long history of you know can we prove that this is real Mm-hmm. Um, can we prove that this is actually a demon and not, you know, someone with a mental problem right? Um, or, or something else going on? And so there's a lot of overlap between, pe- between belief, right? What people believe is happening, what, it, what actually might be happening and how you kind of walk those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the interesting things that comes up and we're skipping ahead a little bit, but in The Conjuring 2 is this issue of hoax, yeah uh and this this is i think it it comes up a little bit in the first film but really in the conjuring too there's a big discussion about hoaxes and making certain that they show that this isn't a hoax um so creating situations where you cannot possibly supposedly right fake this this is real this is definitely something that's happening and of course the films come down to the fact that this you know it's never a hoax it's always an actual demon it's always something that has to be banished um, but it does actually address the the major accusations of the of the real life warrens, which is that you're faking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think it's particularly interesting in The Conjuring too when you get into like the media circus that surrounds these things. Yeah. Um, the these claims of you know we're being haunted, we've got a poltergeist, etc. And this. And even characters that themselves show up to debunk, this isn't a poltergeist, this is, you know, a mother desperate to get out of her housing or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the Warrens who are kind of on the other side who are constantly saying, you know, the, the demons are real, but we, but they are, all, they also doubt in The Conjuring too. Yeah. There are several yeah. moments where they're like, you know, we might be wrong. This, you know, uh, Lorraine, who, you know, can feel demons, can feel other presences, is saying, like, I'm not feeling anything. Right. I'm just totally blocked. There's, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is is funny because even when she's when she's not getting anything, she never is just like, yeah, maybe they're lying. She's just still so convinced that this is real, even and that there must be some other explanation for why she's why she's blocked well and a, and a lot of it is about emotion right you know she's yeah. saying like these these the children are scared these people are scared these are not people who are pretending to be frightened right um True. and and that that's kind of gets reinforced and reinforced throughout and then you actually see in the conjuring too we see 
the the girl uh who's the kind of the focus the focal point of the haunting um faking it <laughs> true true yeah and which is a really important scene but i don't know let's just let's jump back to the conjuring really quickly because yeah, i think absolutely. that um uh i think that we want to um not lose sight of of talking about that one because i think that that um i mean like i said before this is out of all eight movies this is still i think my favorite one but i like all of them that's that's the thing this just because this one is my favorite doesn't mean it's the only one i like i don't know why film twitter gets that all weird but um but one of the reasons that i do is because we the way that it's cut together you've got this family, this parent family who's just bought this house and um, out in the country. It's, it, you know, they bought it. It was within what they could afford. This isn't a family that has a lot of money. The husband has to, he drives truck and he has to take long haul jobs. And so he's gone a lot. And so it's this mom who, uh, I mean, he's the stepfather to her kids, but, um, but uh, she, you know, she's a single mom for a lot of the time because he's gone so much. And, um, and so that's where this, you know, this presence that's been lingering in this house and on this property starts to be able to kind of take hold of her because of just so much external stuff that's happening in their, in their life. And particularly the, the weight that she feels on her as this mom. Um, but what I love is the way that their experiences, which steadily build in an in intensity are cut with introducing us to the warrens the the movie ideal of the warrens um and like we see them giving a presentation we see them talking about their experiences we see them at home and and ed is really concerned because of some experience that lorraine had that was tied to this exorcism of this guy maurice who is the guy from the nun who had been possessed by Volok. And, um, and so I just, I, I think as an introduction to the franchise, I think it's just such a well constructed movie. And I think that it really gives us a, um, a lot of, um, just a good, uh, a good introduction, I guess, to who, who the Warrens are going to be as far as like this version of them it's it's not necessarily concerned Mm -hmm. with with who they really were or um or any of that although it's interesting because lorraine warren did consult on this movie um and so it's like i i I always she passed away i think in 2019 but i always wished that i could talk to her about it and ask her like okay so what's the real story you know like how much (laughs) like how much of this is true (laughs) yeah like tell us what really happened and and uh you know if you're gonna claim that you're a medium like what is that and i'm sure she's talked about that at length and i'm sure there's lots of interviews and things and she's written books and stuff but um but just like hey i won't tell anyone just like tell me you know tell me what really happened here (laughs) but anyway um but yeah i just i i love that i love like you said, this is a self-contained movie, but it's also mm-hmm. a really good setup for an entire franchise that that would be to come. Part of you know some of what we we learn in this movie is like so they we see the end of the Annabelle story where they're taking you know they are meeting with the girls that ended up with her before she became their possession, and then like 
they're locked, you know, like they're, um, they have her locked up in their basement, in their room. We see this, we get the first glimpse of this, like, room that they have in their house. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to talk about that in a minute. (laughs) Yeah, we will. But, like, that's where we see the first glimpse of that. But, yeah, so it's just, it's this really interesting because it's like this like we're meeting the warrens and it's a movie about the warrens but it's also a movie about the parent family and their experiences mm-hmm. yeah it's very well balanced be- between them and um and and again just in terms of a horror film right yeah it it sets everything up really well and you know you get it's classic in a lot of ways you know you get the the things that go bump in the night the sheets being pulled off of beds and weird smells Mm -hmm. and the creepy tree in the backyard and creepy kids toys and all of those dog the The poor poor dog dog. yeah so sad well you know you know as soon as the dog is like i'm not going in there just like listen to the dog yep exactly Listen to the dog if at any point like i've got a dog if at any point he's like i am not going in there just like all right we're leaving that's it Mm -hmm. we're good (laughs) (laughs) um but but yeah it builds really really well and i think and a lot of that is down to to james wan as a director yeah and 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 how good he is and it's it's not a it, it is about building tension it's not about you know plunging you directly into the horror Mm -hmm. uh it's like we're gonna make you anticipate the horror we're going to show you creepy things and make you and you know all all of those little things like oh the basement's been boarded up it's just like don't fucking unboard the basement what is wrong with these people don't do that if it's been nailed up there's a reason for it yeah the answer is not (laughs) oh i wonder why it's boarded up we should we should fix that it's like no i'm fucking leaving right now but but it's all of those things that we're so used to seeing in horror films because we know they're just like that's where the ghost is yep yeah don't let the evil out whatever the Mm -hmm. evil put it out um But but at the same time, it's very effective, right? You know, you kind Definitely. of know what's coming, but and that's part of what makes it so much fun. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those things where, like, you know, sometimes when we as the audience know more than the people in the story, um, it it's it just builds that tension because it's like, how do you not know that? Well, of course they don't know that. It's 1971, <laughs> you know, like they haven't seen a million horror movies about why you don't open that. Uh, that door or you don't go downstairs or whatever but the other thing that i i um think is interesting in the first movie is this whole concept of the catholic church um exorcisms that being introduced but also specifically the parent family they're not members none of the kids were baptized they're not catholic and so for this exorcism to be performed that requires authorization directly from the Vatican. So it's explaining kind of this hierarchy of, of how things work in the church. It also sets up something that I've always kind of um, found interesting um, and questionable. It's like, okay, anybody who grew up in any sort of a Christian faith knows from reading is particularly the new Testament that like, demon possession there's there's a quote unquote like however you want to look at it there's a history um you know there's a a tradition of this being a real thing and but it's it's so interesting because in movies the way to get rid of these demons always comes down to priests it always comes down to holy water 
um, crucifixes, all of these artifacts and things that are specific to the Catholic church. And um, I don't know, as someone who is not Catholic, <laughs> I, I just have always kind of thought, you know, I wonder what would happen if someone made a movie, told a story about this type of situation without involving the Catholic church. And how would that yeah. work? Like, because we're so used to this, like, does anybody even know, like, uh, like how much explaining would it take for you to ex- exercise a demon without calling a priest? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's yeah. It, it's all that iconography of, of yeah. the Catholic church and, and that tradition also, you know, that, that goes back, that also goes back to a lot of really pagan elements. Right. right. The, but it's the, also super cinematic too. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very much so. Exactly. No, exactly. Well, and, and it's interesting because one of the jokes that, that I've, I've often made about exorcism films in particular is that you never get possessed if you're not Catholic. Right. right? If you are not Catholic, just don't be Catholic and you will not have to deal with demons because <laughs> no one who gets possessed is like, you know, Jewish or Muslim <laughs> Or, you know, agnostic or anything mm-hmm. like that. Except, but one of the things that actually I think is really good in The Conjuring is that there, there is this family that is being haunted, that has like had a demon, poltergeist, et cetera, latch onto them. Right. Simply because of where they, they moved to, right? And mm-hmm. that they're not Catholic, right? And so yeah. in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's breaking some of the rules of these, these horror films, right? It's true. Um, even though, you know, like as as you're pointing out, you're going back to, to these to this iconography, this, you know, the, the Catholic iconography, um, priests, etc. And and yeah, it would be interesting if, if the conjuring franchise generally actually dealt with this a little bit more. Um, the because I don't know if there are other kind of exorcism traditions. It yeah, you know, we call it exorcism, it'd probably be called something else in within other religions right certainly not within protestantism but Mm -hmm. within you know judaism or or islam or other types of religion because there are discussions of possession demon possession ghosts etc um that are kind of outside of that sort of catholic image right right um so is there a way to is there a way to (laughs) exercise ghosts in or or demons or something like that in the jewish tradition i would i would love to know that that would be that would be great to research maybe i will um Um, i will say though too that as a child who grew up in the 80s during like the height of satanic panic i really thought that demon demonic possession was going to be a bigger deal when i got to be an adult <laughs> i'm tell- i'm telling you other than the conjuring for mo- for the most part if you're not catholic you're fine like yeah yeah it's like, true you you don't have to worry about it also don't fuck with ouija boards you know that, that yeah. kind of thing i learned don't that lesson it. when i was 11 <laughs> we had a ouija board. board well we had a ouija board at our house i played with it it scared the shit out of me i'm still not convinced that my brother wasn't moving the thing but you know anyway it, you don't fuck it just, with that shit you don't and it no. just nothing happened as a result but it just scared me so badly that i was just like we got rid of it and i never touched another one <laughs> Well, let's talk really quickly about some of some of the later films, obviously, because yes. we, we spent a lot of time on some of the earlier ones. But um, Annabelle Comes Home. OK, is- so, yeah, let's talk. Sorry. <laughs> let's talk about the messed up chronology here, because <laughs> technically, if you look at, at what happens in the movies, Annabelle Comes Home should take place before The Conjuring. However, 
in the in Annabelle comes home, you see the um um the music box. Uh, is yeah. it the music box? Yeah, the music yeah, the, box the, the, in the, the, the Warrens. The, yeah. Yeah. Like that they get the artifact that they bring back from the parents. You see that in their artifact room downstairs in Annabelle Comes Home. So this has to take place after they've been to the parents' house. <laughs> well, and remember that Annabelle Comes Home opens with, with them, them bringing getting, home, yeah. with them bringing her home, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then moves the forward years. And... Right, but right but that's the thing though is like also there's the fact that judy is younger (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna ignore that Um. yeah judy's age does not make sense in these movies uh in one movie she's supposed to be seven years older but it's only been three years (laughs) i don't know anyway um but yeah so it's like annabelle comes home It, it has to take place after the conjuring but if you if if the um if they brought annabelle into their house in 1968-69 then this annabelle comes home should have to take place around like 69 or 70 but the parents thing was 71 so it's like technically (laughs) (laughs) technically we're where it's wrong basically that's what it comes down to yeah but But who cares (laughs) i have to say annabelle comes some of all of the conjuring films i think annabelle comes home really is the most fun yes right, just in terms because it's basically annabelle causes mayhem like yeah uh and and i i've been developing this theory that at a certain point the demon that like inhabits annabelle or is connected to annabelle kind of likes the warrens is like gets <laughs> to a point where where he's just like you know what I, this is sort of fun like mm-hmm. i just like doing this like i like being here you guys are cool um <laughs> but but one of the things i love about annabelle comes home is that it's it's you know it's one of those things that we're talking about you know just like you don't fuck with this shit right so oh your parents are demonologists and they have a locked basement with all (laughs) kinds of creepy shit in it and that gets blessed by a priest every couple of weeks right you know all of this stuff and let me go in and touch everything (laughs) oh my gosh and when mary ellen's like when the the one girl what did you touch everything like oh fuck what are you doing it's great because it does play into that fascination with it because at the same time i'm like i know you shouldn't do that but also i think that i might i might go in there like i might be like i want to see all of this creepy shit (laughs) i do not think that i would open the cabinet that has a gigantic sign on it that says no don't open that contains a creepy doll like i think i would stop there but um but it it really is so effective and it, it does play into that kind of like you know you know you would touch all of the stuff like you know that you would go in there and mess with everything and it would be really bad but it just remember that part where i grew up during the 80s no i wouldn't touch a damn thing <laughs> <laughs> but i one of the things i love about it is that it just ignites this mayhem Mm-hmm. Right. With all of these different different things that the Warrens have collected, um, different stories, et cetera, that just like pop off everywhere and menace these girls. Yeah. Um, and and the one poor boy, Bob. Uh <laughs> Bob's got balls though. 
Bob's got balls. Like, and you know, he he shows he shows up and and it's just like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, this poor kid. Well, and doesn't he live across the street from the Warrens? So it's like, yeah. I would not want to know that I lived across the street from this. What the fuck? And he's no. like met, he's menaced by a spectral werewolf, basically. <laughs> and like, and all he's trying to do is is like to get this girl that he likes to go out with him. Like, that's really that's really all that he's there for. <laughs> yeah yeah um but it does tie a fun in movie it really is but also i think just to your point from earlier about how all these movies tap into grief and really use that um as a major theme that's what happens here is like all the events of annabelle comes home happen because the babysitter's friend Daniela is grieving she lost her father a year before and she feels guilty about that because it was a car accident she was driving the car oh look that sounds familiar um and uh you know that's a tie-in with the annabelle story from before with evelyn um yeah annabelle creation um yeah um but uh sorry um I just got distracted. Sorry. Uh, anyway, don't look at your phone during uh, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah, so Daniela, she the reason that she wants to come over to the Warrens, the reason that she, it, it, you know, is so insistent on being there in the first place is because she's looking for some way to connect with her father and to apologize to him because she feels so wrapped with guilt. And so that's what sets off this yeah. chain of events. But also the movie is just a lot of fun and super wacky, like in good ways. Yeah. It, it's you, you've got all of these creepy ghosts. We get like all of these different backstories, but it, but it does, it's got that the most of the, as, as you point out, the, a lot of the Annabelle films are about grief mm-hmm. um, and are about dealing with grief and dealing with it in the wrong way. And also having all of this guilt that is attached to it. Yeah. Um, and that's what the demon, the Annabelle demon exploits, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that feeds into this film, which is definitely, you know, definitely of all the Annabelle films, it is the most fun. The other two are very nasty, as we as we've discussed. Um right. but but this one, and this one in in a lot of ways, you know, I don't know if they're gonna make more Annabelle films. I feel like it closes off the story in a nice way because it is this dealing with grief that doesn't end in total tragedy. Right, yeah. Um, I th- I think that this feels like a good closure to, like you say, to the Annabelle story. But what it also does, because we've gotten to really get a look at that that uh, that artifact room, is it opens up a whole world of possibilities of future yeah. movies. You know, we can get a fairy man movie. We can get a. Um, I still want to know the story of that stupid monkey. Um, <laughs> Um, but there's so many things in there where it's like the bride, you know, it introduces so many possibilities of spinoffs and new franchises and other stories from the Warrens experience, you know, so there's lots that they could do with this. All of the different artifacts. Yeah. I I love the bride story like that. Mm -hmm. And that one is, is so creepy, but at the same time, they don't expand on it very much. Like the fairy man, they expand on it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, The bride story just like, so is it the the dress, is the dress haunted? Like, is it like, what, what is it? I want to know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's where it's interesting because Lorraine in multiple movies makes the point that like objects can't be possessed. Um, but they can be used. So it's like if 
if the dress is supposedly haunted, then really what it is is like there's just a demon attached to it that's using the dress. But I would like to know more about that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of it, it's it's a good film, I think, because it, it does set up all of these things just like, ooh, we could tell so many stories. Cool. Mm-hmm. I want more. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> and they could even go with stories from when the Warrens were younger and cast Thaisa to play younger Lorraine and really confuses because she already played <laughs> Sister Irene. I don't know who would play younger Patrick, but I mean, younger Ed. But, uh, you know, that that that's <laughs> that option. <laughs> I'd totally be into it. Yep. Um, so where the hell are we at in all of this? Animal comes up. Curse okay. of La Llorona. So, yes, La Llorona. Thank you. All right. You're such you a wanna, white girl. I am such a white girl. Uh, I am. I come from a very white place. And I am, yeah. And like one of my also white girl friends would be, would be like lecturing me about how, about Spanish pronunciation. So, <laughs> Well, I'll, I don't know a lot because I don't speak Spanish. But I do know that when you have double L in a Spanish word, it's always ya and not la. So the curse of la Llorona. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I had not seen before. Because so what are what are your impressions of this film? Like so, I've seen it a couple of times actually. Yeah. I didn't watch it because I don't remember it being marketed as a conjuring universe movie. Um and it's interesting because I was so convinced of that and I was just like I swear they never said this was this was in the conjuring universe and I went back today and watched the original theatrical trailer and it does not, it does definitely say that that it was produced by James Wan and Gary Doberman, but it doesn't, uh, it does not say that it's from the Conjuring universe. So I was like, okay, I wasn't crazy. <laughs> it feels very um, much like kind of a, 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 a spinoff almost like, which like more, it is, more so yeah. than any of the others. Yeah. Which it is because the only tie in in terms of the story is father Perez shows up in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does talk about how he works with other people, not necessarily in the church. And then he mentioned something about the, assisting with the Annabelle doll because he showed up in Annabelle. He was helping the the um, Mia and her husband. Um, and so it's like that's that's where the tie-in is. So, but it's not even a really loose tie-in. It makes sense that because that case took place in L.A., this case takes place in L.A. So it makes sense that he would be involved in both of them. Um, but anyway, I just felt vindicated because I was like, I swear they never said this was conjuring and (laughs) sure enough, I was correct. Um, anyway, uh, but my overall thoughts of the movie, I, okay. So I, part of the reason I didn't watch it is because so many of my Latinx friends were very upset about it. Um, because this definitely does take a very traditional, um, myth legend story um and sets it in la and you know puts a a white american family uh front and center and so it's like i could see where people were really upset about that and um and i think there's a lot of of validity to it but watching the movie i was just like okay i feel like um they do a good job of still keeping this very much uh, uh, a, a, a Hispanic tradition and showing how this white woman has kind of interfered in it 
unwittingly she didn't mean to but she did and how that's gonna end up having these repercussions for her and her family as a result so it it ended up not at all being the movie that i thought it was i didn't i didn't end up walking away from it feeling like this was co-opting a legend so much as explaining why you don't mess with shit that you don't know anything about. <laughs> it is a lot of the Conjuring films are just like, don't mess with shit. Like, don't, yeah. don't, you know, don't invite the ghost of your dead daughter into the weird doll. Don't, you know, <laughs> exactly. go into the basement and touch stuff. Like, just don't, un- yeah, don't right. mess with shit. Right. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, I did say that they're white. Linda Cardellini is white. Her children are half half Hispanic because her husband, who has passed away, was Hispanic. Yeah, I, I understand the discomfort with this film and and particularly, you know, we've talked about the the other versions of of this of the story, of this traditional story that have popped up in, in various films that are Latinx films. Um, but it just in terms of it as a horror film, I I do think that it is very effective. I've said a couple of times I think it's a very good B horror film. Yeah, like, totally. It's it's got some creepy moments, it's got, you know, a, a lot of the things that we've come to expect from this this universe. And and it feeds into that that whole thing about the innocent being targeted, um, and try and having to try to save and protect the innocent, which is which I like. It all it also has a lot of that good mother bad mother elements that mm-hmm. that, I, that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, so which is, is further explored because not only is she Anna played by Linda Cardellini this good mother, um, she's a social worker. Yeah. whose job is to decide who's good and, and who's bad in terms of parents. Yeah, and, and the whole thing that kind of sets everything off is is her basically doing a wellness check on this family and and, fi- and finding the two boys locked in a closet. Right. Right, while their mother is obviously having issues. And, and she's so- yelling to not let them out, that they're in yeah. danger. Yeah. So, so you do see all of this and you look at it and go like, I mean, I would think that there was a problem here uh, uh-huh. if, if I was just entering into this. But of course, there are actually other reasons for it. And it's her interference that, that causes even more devastation. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, not the, it's not one of the best, but it, it's, I think it's been unfairly maligned as a yeah. conjuring film. I actually found it to be a lot of fun. Um, I do agree with you still that Annabelle Comes Home is the most fun but I thought this one was was just fine. I thought it was entertaining. I thought some of the scares were were well done. And and even some of the things that are just creepy um, in general, I thought were were pretty good, too. Like the, yeah. the scene with the daughter in the bathtub and she thinks her mom has come in to help wash her hair. And it's really yeah. this La Llorona. It's like, oh, gosh. Ooh. Like, because that is one of those places where you're the most vulnerable is when you're in the tub or the shower and it plays on that, you know, and I just I love that scene. It's great. Well, and also that that very, you know, um, that that parental terror of leaving your small child in the bathtub and, and yeah. them drowning, that that kind of thing it plays on that as well. One thing I did find a little questionable was this movie is set in 1973 and I felt like there was this weird thing like so she goes. OK, so. Anna has taken the boys away from their mom and they're currently staying in a shelter because, you know, they need to investigate what was going on with the house. And then the boys end up getting killed. And so she gets called to the scene and she brings her kids and leaves them in the car because she can't leave them home alone. Um, This is the 1970s. 
that there was not a big deal of leaving your kids home alone at that time, especially like with the son being as old as he was like he because he seems like he's around 10 or 11. Totally normal. Yeah. We were in, into the 80s. We were being left. I was left home alone all the time when I was like eight or nine. And my well, uh, my brother was younger. Like it was normal. It was like nobody cared. Nobody blinked at that. So it's just one of those things where it's like there are just certain things that happen throughout this movie. I'm like, I think you forgot when this <laughs> takes place. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that you can read into that of like her having recently lost her husband and having this sort of terror of losing her children. True. Um, particularly given her work and and given you know the death of her husband, et cetera. So there there might be a little bit to that. But yeah, I agree. It it feels it feels more like, okay, we've got to get these kids to this space. Right. So that they meet the 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 ghost, the demon, whatever. Right. Exactly. Um, and and so we've got to get them from point A to point B so that we're just going to do this, right? Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, as and I I honestly didn't question it particularly because because <laughs> you grew up just... in a time when you don't leave your kids at home alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've also just learned to not question certain things in these films. I'm just like, all right, fine, sure, yeah, you need to get the you need to get the kids there, fine, whatever. Sure, yeah. Um, but anyway, overall, I think it's a I think it's a fun movie. It definitely does tie into some of the sexism and the back to the thing about mothers too because like her mm -hmm. boss is questioning her ability to do her job because she's now a single mom uh you know stuff like that so. yeah yeah definitely um and so the the last two films are the are the conjuring two and the conjuring the devil made me do it we actually talked a lot about the both of them um but we talked a lot about the the devil made me do it uh back when it came out yeah and yeah. so are, do you have any other thoughts about these two films? Just because we're running a little long here. We are running a little long, but man, what a great, uh, what, what a great discussion this has been. I love these movies so much. And so I really like The Conjuring 2. I actually yeah. really like 3 as well. Um, the Devil Made Me Do It. But I really like Conjuring 2. I think that out of all of them, this is probably the, I'm trying to think how to, like, I think it's the, most assured i think it's the most uh, not accomplished that's not the right word but i think that if your art cannot be measured objectively but <laughs> if you're going to look in terms of um the way that the story unfolds the the artistic you know the in terms of like the artisanship the craftsmanship of the movie and things like that to me the conjuring 2 is the best mm -hmm. um overall um, best and favorite do not have to be the same <laughs> but yeah so i i just i think that this is probably the best of the of the bunch um but i i think part of that one of the things i really like is the way that opens with the amityville murders the amityville story mm -hmm. and puts you in lorraine's shoes and i think that it was such a great way of addressing the fact that everyone after the conjuring came out and was so popular Everyone was like, cool, when are you going to do the Amityville story? And it's like, there's been a million Am Amityville movies. They should not do one for this franchise. And so I like the way that they introduced that story into the franchise without giving it its own movie, but did it in such a way that you really get to see um, in, in terms of the rules of this universe, you really get to see how Lorraine experiences these like psychic events when she... Yeah. Um, when she's seeing what happened and walking through it, she's, you know, physically she is Ronnie DeFeo murdering his family um, and feeling that experience. And I just think it's just, just another cool layer 
of just inter- like really giving us an idea of how Lorraine functions, how her gift works and yeah. um, and what a toll that takes on her. Yeah, and, so. and it, it builds the relationship between her and Ed as well, because we see yeah. his, his concern and as his concern builds mm-hmm. and the the fears that he has for her and how much it takes out of her. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that she's constantly haunted by these things. Right. Um, and and it also it also builds, you know, going back to the nun things, it, it builds that the demon nun character. Right. The, mm-hmm. We get more and more information about that demon. And and it's quite creepy, right? There there are scenes in this film before the actual like main haunting gets started. <laughs> there are scenes in this film where I'm like, oh, this is just so it's just so creepy. It's so wrong. yeah, um, yeah, super creepy. But I also think too, um, just to your point about the nun, because this is where we find out what her vision had been in the first movie, and where she had seen this this nun. She had seen um, Ed's death, which um, doesn't end up happening. But um, there's definitely a point where it almost happens and very similar to the way that she has seen in these visions. But I think that what's what's um, what makes it interesting is the fact. Well, I mean, the whole thing's interesting, but I think um, it really does kind of establish that because of how much time they spend in such close proximity to these entities, you mess with one, you're opening yourself up to uh to others and that's what happens with lorraine in working on this enfield case and trying to figure out what's going on in this family and with their their life it's it's uh and their house it's opening her up and exposing her to this demon that has been kind of plaguing her for a long time yeah and and the the devil made me do it also builds on that as well this whole thing of like i know you i i recognize you and 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 that one in terms of focalizing things through lorraine and kind of trying to show her experience of these things that one does it the most of any of the films the of like actually her inhabiting the the perspectives of these people Mm -hmm. um the including the villain right the the major villain in in the devil made me do it uh yeah it 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 builds really nicely and i think that you know it builds also their relationship as being kind of the anchoring point for both of them yeah and it's it's the thing that you know keeps him sane is the thing that keeps her sane and within the worlds of the of the film it's a really good it's a good love story actually Mm -hmm. to tell the truth it's Mm -hmm. it's just like oh you found it you you're weirdos and you found each other yeah. Um, and they even say that both of them a couple of times, <laughs> just like <laughs> someone who believes you, someone who who believes in in what you believe and in what you're experiencing that it's true. Um, and I think it goes back to some of those things that we were talking about when it comes to hoaxes, right? At the the film, the films do kind of put a lot of emphasis on this idea of belief that you have to believe in these things um, in order to defeat them. Yes. And and having other people around you who who believe in who believe in you, right? Who believe that you're telling the truth is incredibly important because that's the way that that evil gets defeated. It's that connection with families, with couples, with friends, etc. Um, you defeat the evil by banding together against it. Yeah, um, exactly. Which, which I quite like, and I also like the contrary too because we finally get Patrick Wilson singing. Yes, and being Elvis. <laughs> And it's just fucking delightful. And I'm so glad that's just dropped in the middle of this film. 
it's just randomly there and it's just like yes this is great and <laughs> i just yeah i love it he needs to he needs to do more musicals <laughs> he really does he he's you know we talked about the the two of them uh, a little bit but but both of them are so good they really are charming on screen presences mm-hmm. for for characters that are very often you know, don't have a lot of humor to them. Particularly Lorraine is not exactly funny a lot of right. the time. Um, but you get these glimpses into like who these people are and, and the fact that they're played by very good actors mm-hmm. um, means means that they're not one note. They're not just, you know, ciphers that we're filtering these stories through. Um, they really are like full characters. And, and that, that little scene, which doesn't, you know, do anything when it comes to the the haunting or anything like that <laughs> but it's just charming and it's just like oh we see you know you to- at that point you just like totally understand why she loves this guy <laughs> yep yep exactly well and it's like you just you need those those moments especially in a story like this you need those moments to be able to to just like take a breath because so much has happened so but it also does lead to a really um one one line that I love from Lorraine, which is when um, the the British guy who's helping them with their investigation, he's driving them and and um, and Ed sitting in the back, Lorraine sitting in the front seat. And she says, yeah, I met Elvis once. And the guy says, was that before or after he died? And she says, before and after. And I just I love that. It's so funny. Just like cute little moment there. Yes. Um, so any final thoughts about the various Conjuring films? We've talked a lot and a long time, and I think that we've made our, our positions known. <laughs> I feel like this is eight movies, and we needed to talk a lot because there's a lot to we say, did. and they're so good. And if there's any that you haven't missed or that you haven't watched and you're listening to all of this, um, go back and watch them. I really think this is one of the rare franchises where none of the movies are bad there's definitely some that are better than others but none of them are bad and none of them are unwatchable um and they're just it's just such a fun franchise and such a great way to usher in spooky season it really is yes highly recommended as you know and but and both of us i think rewatched a whole bunch of these right we'd seen them before i rewatched and- all of them this week yeah <laughs> You like plunged right in, man. I've been I doing sure this over did. the course of the month. Like, <laughs> like um, um, but it, yeah, I, I think they are rewatchable. That's that's the thing. Like in rewatching these films, I was just like, I'm still enjoying this. Like, I'm still yeah. freaked out. The scene in the Conjuring Two where they where the boy like sends the little truck into the oh into the gaping maw oh. of the tent, and then someone sends it back. It's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> when the oh the hide and clap scene in in the first Conjuring, and the yeah. mom has the oh on the stair, like that still gives me just chills. And then yeah, oh gosh, yes, there there are scenes even in in some of the lesser films, right? There are mm-hmm. scenes that are just very good examples of like yeah. good horror right yeah it's- yeah for sure so yep uh, well thank you so much and most of them can be watched by the way on hbo max they can be rented um i, I think all of the them only- can be watched on hbo max except the nun except for the nun yeah mm-hmm um so you can you can go through all of the conjuring films if you want to and definitely like if you haven't seen the nun see the nun it's so much fun like, it is. please and Please. look for the nun too next year. <laughs> 
I'm excited about that. Honestly, I, want I am to too. Them. I hope they better too. be coming out. They better not be lying to me. Um, I still want to know about the Crooked Man movie, but whatever. I want to, and like we said, I want I want the Bride movie. Yes, definitely. yes, also. Uh, so I think that that is going to close us out. Finally, thank you so much for listening to this, and um, and we hope that you've learned many things about the Conjuring franchise. All the things. Um, as always, we want to thank our patrons very, very much, and they include Ali, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Kathleen, Cariata, Mason, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, Pow, and Will. Thank you once again for supporting us. You will be having a bonus episode really soon um, about the faculty, so watch out for that. And we've also got some more fun things coming up uh, this spooky season. We're going to be posting polls and things like that, so definitely watch out for those. Uh, and as always, if you want to support us, we are on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash citizendame. And you can also kick us some money on our Ko-Fi. That's ko-fi.com slash citizendame or buy some stuff on our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizendamepod. Um, of course, if you want to get in touch with us, we have many, many different ways of doing that. We have our email address, uh, citizendamepod at gmail.com. You can also check out our reviews, et cetera, on our website. That's citizendamepod.com. I will be having a couple of reviews coming up. I think that Karen has a couple uh, that she's going to be posting. We're also doing some film festivals. So watch out for those. Um, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizen Dame Pod and our letterboxed at Citizen Dame, where we have many, many lists, including all of the films that we talk about. And boy, there are going to be a lot of horror films coming up. <laughs> well, and we're starting to do a monthly list now. So it's like, I'm just going to have Citizen Dame Podcast October 2022. So it's going to start with all eight of the Conjuring movies. <laughs> Um, yeah. And that and our letterbox is at Citizen Dame. Of course, you can get in touch with us individually. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox at LH Business. Karen, where are you? I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Karen M. Peterson. And that is going to close us out for this week. We will talk to y'all later. Bye. Annabelle, the doll, she's the one who's doing all of this. A doll? I just wanted to see him again. What did you do? I wanted to tell him I'm sorry. I know it was my fault. Danielle, what did you do? I, I let her out. What else did you touch? <laughs> <laughs>